Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Good morning. Glad to be able to open the Word of the Lord with you this morning. And we are uh, not quite in the middle of our summer series which somebody thought was a good idea. <clears throat> what does the Bible say about? And then let people stump the pastor. That's uh, great. Uh, only kidding. So for those of you who have not been here week to week, uh, we're kind of going through a, a series where, uh, you know, we, we know what we believe, but how does that inform how we behave you know, what should we think or believe? What does the Bible say about multiple different things that's pertinent in our current culture? And, uh, and so it's very important for me to begin each week, apparently, by saying, this is what does the Bible say about, not what does Blaine think about. And so I'm really working hard to avoid my own personal opinions. I have them. Uh, but I have them based upon what Scripture has said. And so that's what I'm hoping to do is to be able to not tell you what I think about something so you should think about it, but where I've arrived in my decision making from Scripture's point of view. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what I think in most cases. I want the Holy Spirit to be able to inform our collective so that we can work by convictions and working by faith rather than just believing something because somebody said we should. And so today's message... and. is interesting. Is it up there? It got me the first week when I thought I was really sitting the stage and it was behind me the whole time. So uh, I want to make sure that's not going on. So today's question is excellent. Excellent question. All of them have been, but uh, today's is kind of lengthy and it's big, uh, big question. So considering the role of modern medicine in the faith life of a Christian. So, you know, what... What level should we trust medicine over God's will? Or at what point is medicine God's will? Or, you know, seeking out doctors and counselors and things like that. Does that usurp what God, God's plan and His uh, ordaining in our life looks like? Does the Bible forbid the use of medicines in general? If God doesn't choose to heal a person miraculously, is it wrong to seek medical aid if Christians seek such help, would that help be interfering with God's will? And so what I've taken a lot of these similar questions, and I've kind of put them all together, and so today we're also going to include marijuana, <laughs> all right? So uh, that's, that was asked quite a bit. That's why I'm kind of uh, a little uncomfortable. Anyway, so when, when we consult Scripture, we find nowhere in Scripture does God command us to avoid doctors or medicine? Uh, I have some uh, family members uh, that I was raised with who are uh, Jehovah's Witness. And, you know, they have some really, really strong views about some of these things. And I had a great aunt that died. Doctors saying, you know, it would take minutes uh, to be able to save her life with a blood transfusion and all this. But the family absolutely forbid it. Uh, and, and she passed away not getting the medical treatment because their belief was that if God wanted a person healed, He would heal them uh, miraculously, which is a really weird thing to believe when you're laying in a hospital 
at what point is it God's will to heal or what point is it I'm going to get to the doctor, I'm going to get to the hospital and then let God make his decision how he wants to heal a person. But nevertheless, uh, so God does not reject or commands us to avoid blood transfusions, inoculations, surgeries. In fact, we see medical knowledge actually being praised in Scripture right out of the gate when God starts ordaining tribes and sending out different people groups. He actually speaks to uh, specific ones and He gives them special medical knowledge to be able to do some things in the medical world. And I'm not going to get into that. Uh, it's not necessary this morning. But we can begin to see that medicine and, and medical knowledge is actually praised and not just praised because men do, do, are not capable of coming up with that. Uh, God gives us wisdom and for the benefit of His people. Uh, for example, in Genesis chapter 17, you don't have to turn there uh, but, unless you don't trust me, but Genesis chapter 17 verses 10 through 14, God commands Abraham to go through a minor surgery. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> And then that goes so well, he commands every Jewish male to go through minor surgery, right? So I would think that if surgery of any form were prohibited by God or preventable or uh, uh, avoided by God, uh, that he wouldn't have commanded a man to not only have surgery, but commanded him for his own glory to go through this medical procedure. But this, uh, this example, you know, I know it's a spiritual metaphor, but uh, had very specific spiritual purpose. But it does demonstrate that relying on a medical procedure is not contrary to obeying God. In fact, sometimes it might be according to God's word. Now, now, so I think the biggest, the, the, the drawing line, and this, was, this one's super easy, I think. But the, the, the issue the, where we draw the line is if, it God willed, if it's God's will to heal me, then God will heal me, as opposed to circumventing God's will with science. Now listen, God and science are not enemies. It's so important, but oftentimes our conclusions of those two issues are enemies. God actually created everything that is created in science. God's the one who put it together. All truth is God's truth, period. If it's true, its origin is God. And so science is not the enemy of God, but some of the things that we need to be true for our worldview, our secular worldview, we have to tweak some of the evidences in order to be able to get where we need science to, to go. For those who are more faith-based, there may be some sense to tweak evidence to put a framework together so we have a biblical worldview. But the evidence is all the same. And so it's important to recognize this. Scripture is very clear that God ordains our days. In fact, He knows how many hairs you have on your head. For some, that's a lot easier for the Lord than others. I'm just saying, I'm, just, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying that, look, at I got gray hair. God knows every color of every hair, Right? This is God's will. It also says that not only does He number the hairs on our head, but He also has our days numbered. Which means that there's not one thing that we can do to add one day to our life. Right? So one of the questions that I get asked most of the time, and that's not even been asked this, this summer, but uh, is life support. 
So I know that it's really difficult. Some of you, no doubt, have been affected by having to make a decision about life support, somebody in your life or uh, in your family. And so I try to encourage people to know that God knows every day of our life. And you turning a machine on and off does not circumvent God's will. Your ability to do this is not bigger than God's knowledge of every day of our life. And so a lot of times we feel bad about having to make a decision. The truth of the matter is, you didn't add a day. And by the way, life support didn't add a day. And turning off life support doesn't reduce a day. Because every day belongs to the Lord. And so in a lot of ways, we like to give ourselves some credit where really we're, we like to think we're in control of some areas that we're truly, truly not. I say all of that to say this. With whether it's doctors or whether it's uh, recommendations by doctors or whether it's prescriptions from doctors. All of these things can be used by God for God's glory. But, you ever wonder why some medications work for one person and they don't work for another person? And we usually just say, well, it's chemistry or it's timing. Sometimes it's God's will. Sometimes it's just simply God's will. So we talk about, well, if it was God's will for me to have this certain ailment, that's why I have it, because it's all God's will. And if God wanted me to be healed, He'd heal me. Well, listen, sometimes it is God's will to heal us through doctors or medicines. See, when God heals us directly, that's called miracles. Miracles, if everyone who is sick experiences a miraculous healing, we wouldn't call them miracles anymore. We'd call them expectations. Right? So miracles are incredibly rare. They are used where God circumvents natural law for His glory's sake and for a testimony of His goodness. God does not choose to do that very often, although He does choose to do it occasionally. But what God does do is God does not want us to experience uh, many things that we experience and go through. And so he uses, well, let me just say it this way. There are things in our life, things that we can teach and things that we experience that we can't experience any other way than through pain and difficulty. Sometimes, and this is, listen, so, so here's another truth. Just because a person's sick, that may have no bearing on their faith. Equally, just because a person is healthy doesn't mean they have a strong faith. Sometimes people can have a super strong faith and experience bad days. But those bad days are God's will in a person of faith's life because they're things that they can only learn in that state. And no one would choose to be in that state. So since you wouldn't choose to be in that state, sometimes God orchestrates things in our life so that we can only learn them this way. There's been lots of things that I have learned from God's hand flat of my back that I would not have learned if I were in control. Sometimes that's for me. There are other things, and I won't go into great detail, that God has allowed me to experience some of the darkest things imaginable that I would never ask to be able to experience. But I have experienced them because there's no other way to learn them so that I can teach them to others of God's sufficiency and His grace. Why do you think that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when it says the comfort that you've received, you need to give that comfort away to those who are needing to be comforted? What that tells me is that God allows things in our life so that we can experience His comforting. 
so that we can be prepared to give comfort to those around us because God is going to allow those things in other people's lives too. There's some, some of that that causes us to be relational to one another. It humbles us, but it also gives us opportunities to teach. So healing isn't always part of God's plan. We don't say when someone is healed, well, thank God God is good. You know what? God is good if people die, right? Health and hurt does not determine if God is good or not. And, it, and oftentimes it has no bearing on whether or not a person is being faithful to the Lord or has unconfessed sin in their life. So we have to be very, very careful saying, well, I'm a good person, God should heal me, or that person's a bad person, I can't believe they're healed. We have to be very careful about blanket statements altogether. We find in Genesis chapter 50, verse 2, where Joseph's servants are called healers. So he has actually his own doctor staff. But the interesting part about this servants is the same word in Exodus is in Hebrew in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, where God describes himself as our healer. So the implication is that physicians are doing a good work for God's people and in God's name as an extension of God's own healing ministry. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, very familiar proverb. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Say, wait a minute, that's a metaphor. It's true, but this verse presents medicine in a positive light as a metaphor for a happy heart. If our reliance on medicine was contrary to faith, then the Word of God would never have used it as a metaphor as for a glad heart. In Isaiah chapter 38, verse 21, we find the prophet Isaiah prescribing a poultice, which is like a, a mixture of chemical combinations, uh, a, a medicinal remedy for Hezekiah's boil. So while all healing is directly by God or directed by God, we see this poultice clearly demonstrating that God uses medicinal procedures at times, doctors at times, and miracles at times. But God is always the healer. God is always the healer. That does not mean that God always heals. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22, a statement that Gilead approves of physicians. Now again, that's metaphorically, but then again in Jeremiah 30, 13, equates the lack of medicine with a lack of healing. Jeremiah 51, 8 says medicine is the way for Babylon to be healed. Again, these are all spiritual metaphors, but they only work as spiritual metaphors because they rest on the fact of God's gracious provision of medical treatments available for our benefit. It's the only reason that they make sense. Is because God is endorsing them. One final verse in the Old Testament is especially telling. Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 12 says that healing medicines will be made from the leaves of trees that are nourished by waters of the new temple in the new Jerusalem. And so there's a concoction that of medicines that will be formed. Revelation 22 verse 2 also describes that same tree of healing in the new Jerusalem suggesting that medicinal tools are an important part of God's purpose. Now, these may be metaphors, but they rest on the understanding and use of medicines. Medicines may be God's short-term solution to His long-term plan. And I'm not suggesting that healing is accomplished through medicine alone. Uh, I'm not, certainly not suggesting that our resurrected bodies will suffer from physical ailments. 
but rather that God supports the life of our bodies in a variety of physical ways, including acting well. So sometimes uh, I eat because I'm hungry and I get weak. Right? Anybody? Anybody ever eat because you need it? Well, in that state, that's actually food as medication. Right? We need the medicinal properties to be nourished, and food does that for us. Sometimes I eat when I'm not hungry. And that's for recreation. (laughs) One, I give myself a break because it's necessary. Another actually has some pretty negative consequences, if not kept in check. But it's funny, people don't use food that way. Only medicine and doctors. When we look at the New Testament, Jesus said, Those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are, what? Sick. Yeah, so it's in Luke 5.31. But a chapter before that, Luke chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus quotes the proverb, Physician, heal yourself. And then he applied it to himself as the physician. So in no case throughout all of Scripture do we find Christ disapproving uh, of medicines or of physicians. In fact, one of the men that he called uh, one of the, to write one of the Gospels was Luke uh, in Colossians, who is called the beloved physician. So certainly every Christian should understand that all healing comes from God, and sometimes that's through doctors, sometimes that's through advice, changes of behavior, sometimes that's through medications, and sometimes that's through miracles. But as Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, I think very well puts it, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord. What that says is, is that if you think that the doctor is healing you, you are wrong. If you think that medicine is healing you, you are wrong. Only God is our healer. And He is the one who receives the glory and honor from it. So oftentimes we give doctors credit And God uses sometimes non-Christian doctors. God doesn't need us to be Christians in order to be able to use us. Uh, It's just just better for us to be able to give Him glory in such a state. So I guess the next part of the question would be, how should a Christian treat emotional or behavioral conditions like anxiety and depression, uh, mind-altering drug use? Uh, these are called psychotropic drugs. And so we want to talk about, I shouldn't say we want to talk about it. I don't know what you want to talk about, but I'm going to talk about psychotropic drugs for just a little while. In every case, taking drugs to alter mood or mind is a very, very serious step that every Christian should not take without very careful forethought and much prayer. And then make that decision from faith. In Romans chapter 14, it says that which does not come from faith is sin. And so at the end of the day, it would be very important for us to know for sure that God has said that it's okay. To know know for sure that... That it, is, uh, that it is legal to know for sure that the body of Christ has given some sort of, not necessarily permission, but clarity that this seems to be what God is moving you toward. Uh, and to be able to, with all prayer and supplication, to be able to have the peace of God at the end of the day, to know that God has given me permission to take mind-altering or mood-altering psychotropic drugs 
So that when we do experience that, we do not have to battle with the guilt and the shame and the stigma that comes alongside of that. The Holy Spirit has borne witness to our spirit that God has said, this is one of the ways that I'm giving you permission. Here's some things that I don't want you to hear today. If you are taking medication, I do not want you to hear from me that you shouldn't be. And I also don't want you to hear from me that if you're not taking medication, that you should be. What I want you to hear today is a careful, a very careful approach to what our framework should look like. I don't know what your prescription list looks like. And so I am by no means trying to make blanket statements that fit the whole room. I think that's wrong. And I think that is offensive and probably just a little bit arrogant. And so I don't want blanket statements, but I want to give you a framework by which you can make a good decision to know that the decision that you make is based upon your conviction, to know that your decision is based upon... uh, the freedom that comes in Christ and the uh, uh, framework that comes from the, the Holy Spirit that gives us uh, the ability to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. So psychotropic drugs are incredibly powerful, brain-altering chemicals which doctors uh, are increasingly prescribing to address emotional and behavioral problems. Now, what I want to say real quick is multiple times in Scripture, in fact, they came to Jesus in the New Testament and, and Matthew said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your... Now listen, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, right? But Jesus is going all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 when he says that you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart. That's the spiritual part of us. All of your heart. Now, we don't really love with this. It's a metaphor, right? But he's talking about we love the Lord with all of our spirit. We love the Lord with all of our mind. And we love the Lord with all of our might, all of our body, all of our strength. This is very important to tell us that the the thing that matters and all the law and the prophets are summed up in this one thing. Love God relentlessly with everything that is within you. And and so if, if there are times in my life where I am to worship the Lord with all of my mind, listen, sometimes that is like exhausting for me, right? Because... My mind is, uh, I, get, I get being able to worship the Lord spiritually and be able to worship the Lord, you know, with my, with my spirit and even serving the Lord with my body. Uh, but at mind sometimes, I don't, anybody ever fallen asleep while you're praying? Anybody? Has anybody ever been, I want you to be honest with me for a minute because I feel like I'm the only one in the room. Has anybody ever prayed, forgotten that you're praying and start thinking about something else and remember that you were praying? Anybody? All right. Well, so you understand a little bit about loving the Lord with all your mind. We can't even pray with all of our mind. Now, I say that to be a little bit in jest, but I think the Scripture is really clear that if there is a part of my mind, it ought to be fully devoted to worshiping the Lord. And so if I am taking mind-altering drugs that would prevent me from using that part of my brain, 
then wouldn't it make sense that I'd better make sure that I'm needing it so that I can worship the Lord, not in spite of it. So, you know, I'm not, today's not the alcohol question that'll come later. But today is similar in that allowing our brains, our minds to be altered to the state where it's not fully available to the glory of God, I think is very, very dangerous for Christians. And I think, I think and here I, I don't want to think, I'm just making a statement and then we'll go back to Scripture. But I think because doctors give us permission to do so, we take the doctor's stamp of approval the same as in God's God's okay with it too. If I can get a doctor to agree, it must be God's will. The other side of that is just as dangerous as, uh, you know, all medicines not from God, no medicines from God, no doctors from God. The other side's true. Just because the doctor says so does not give us necessarily permission to do so according to God's will. We have to be very, very careful with these things because we are dealing with mental problems mind problems, emotional issues, and behavioral issues, problems that may have spiritual roots rather than psychological roots. And if we are dealing psychologically, medicinally, instead of spiritually, then we are seeking to take shortcuts. And, and so we are dealing spiritually with some issues. And I don't like how I feel when I'm dealing with spiritual issues. I've got things in my life I don't want to change. I need my feelings to change about it. And so I seek out counsel. Doctors who are not given the responsibility of knowing what the difference is says, yep, you have all of the symptoms. These symptoms are the same for spiritual issues as they are for emotional issues. So you're having the emotional issues. You treat them emotionally but they actually may be spiritual. But I don't want to deal with the spiritual issues. So I'm going to numb the reality, and now I feel good, and I don't have any of the negative consequences. But those negative consequences of not dealing with things spiritually, those negative consequences don't necessarily go away. So here's, here's, the, here's the whole reason that I bring all of this up, and I'm not trying to be a know-it-all. But I, but I also want you to understand that our, our faith is not, is not based upon how we feel. So if a person feels really, really poorly, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have poor faith. Also, if a person is on cloud nine, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have good faith. But for some reason, when it comes to these psychotropic drugs, if I can feel good about it, then I'm not thinking about the things in my life that, I ought, that God has orchestrated naturally in my life to give me pause to reflect before psychotropic drugs came out. People used to actually have to deal with spiritual issues. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not talking about very long ago, 40, 50, 60 years ago. People had to deal with things differently because drugs like what we have now didn't exist the same way. And boy, I sure wish they would because there was a lot of people who had to deal with things the hard way. This has always been an issue because it's an issue of the heart and it's an issue of the mind. But there were people who used to hold on the back of these chairs with clenched fists, their knuckles turned white because they, they knew they were dealing with a spiritual problem. And there was no medication to take to numb the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
There are also a lot of people who were put away out of society because they couldn't deal with it medically, what was going on in the medical world. Well, anyway, I don't want to get into that too much or I'll hijack the whole message. So as today, I think consequently we should be concerned that some Christians turn to these drugs on a doctor's recommendation before fully considering God's recommendations, giving the consequences of the decision. Uh, We should be very, very concerned that society's increasing reliance on these drugs may be masking more serious underlying spiritual, behavioral, and emotional problems. There, there were a time and should be a time now where a whole lot of the things that we deal with in our society comes as a result of people not living in the truth anymore. So, you know, we don't know truth. We don't know how to tell ourselves the truth. We don't know how to find our identity in Christ. And so we struggle, struggle, struggle. Well, I don't want to struggle. So what we do is we end up going into another direction to get rid of the struggle. But listen, we start shortcutting things. There are some issues that God will allow in our life to cause us to deal with things spiritually. When we deal with them psychologically, we short-circuit what God's intention is. We can still live contrary to God's commands and yet not have any of the consequences. But listen, and you can, you can mask this one another. You can really you know, convince one another that we're in a good place and growing spiritually. But listen to me very closely. There are no shortcuts to the spiritual benefits. There are no shortcuts. You can fool all of us. But there are no shortcuts to spiritual growth. None. So, regardless of how you feel inwardly about that. Okay, so we should also be concerned, I think, that Christians who live in a chemically induced state of artificial contentment are only delaying the inevitable spiritual crisis That results when drugs lose their effectiveness uh, to stem the tide of emotional or spiritual pain. Often Christians hide uh, medicine taking, not necessarily because it's a sin, but because of shame. And then what it does is it begins to tell them that they need to hide other things as well. And we're not confessing our faults to one another. Instead, we're just numbing ourselves to the consequences. And I say, I'm not talking to anyone specifically, of course, as I've already said that, and try not to make blanket statements. Our sin and the sin of others around us are often the catalyst for creating the circumstances that lead to destructive behaviors, like emotional pain, depressions, anxiety, and other ailments. Uh, Sometimes a person may have depression or anxiety because of a circumstance that occurred in their life, which is reasonable and it should be short-term. There are other issues that go on in our life that are more chemical. They're DNA, they're genetic. These issues are much different. They shouldn't be considered into the same scope. Some people deal with things behaviorally uh, because of the way they were nurtured. uh, And and that's much different than the way our nature manifests itself. And so it really all comes back to the reasons why, the, the motivations. And if you put everybody in one bucket and judge everybody everybody's decision based upon the same questions, 
Uh, it's, just, it's just not fair, and it's very isolating. And I think that's one of the things that causes the stigma. People who really do need medication have stigma attached to them. People who should not be taking medication and are doing that to self-medicate or to self-regulate, it does a disservice. Uh, not only to themselves because they're short-circuiting what God would want to do, but also to those around them. Uh, so we have to be very careful not to make blanket statements because they can be very, do a lot of, a lot of damage. Uh, I am also not speaking based upon research. Uh, I'm speaking based upon experience. Uh, I have uh, not, I don't talk about it very often because uh, it's just not necessary. Uh, but I have, uh, I've, had to, I've had to process these questions myself. Uh, there was a time in my life when every one of these questions I would have asked myself. I felt like if God wanted me to be healed, God would heal me. And that taking medication were, was to curb God's plan for my life. And I've been, I've been in some of the darkest places in my mind possible. You can't get much darker than where I've been. And feeling as if it were all brought about by God for some spiritual issue. And God was trying His best to just flick me off His finger and be done with me. And I was hiding, trying everywhere in the world to hide under His fingernail. And what, is it, what the Lord began to teach me through that is I processed these own, my own questions and did a lot of this research on, on my own uh, through the Scripture back then, uh, is, is that the Lord... Uh, I've only heard from the Lord a few times in my life where I know it was His voice. This very issue was one of them. I remember where I was at uh, when, he, when He specifically told me. I had struggled and struggled and struggled for, for months. And He finally said to me, what if I used medication? And I never even considered that. I honestly had thought medication might be just circumventing the Lord. What if I would use it? So here's what I prayed. Lord, if it's Your will for medication to work, let it work. But if this is the place you want me to stay in forever, I don't want the medicine to work. Don't let it work. But he's either God, if he's the God of my body, then he certainly can change the effectiveness of a medicine, right? So that's how I began to pray. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. What I found out was that being genetically predisposed to some chemical malfunctions in the brain from time to time... That's all I'll give you. Uh, you already knew that, right? Uh, so what, what, what God taught me was that if I'm going to love Him with all of my mind, there's my, part of my mind right now that can't love Him. It's so busy doing other things, <laughs> right? So in order to be able to bring that part of my mind that Satan is seeking to steal away, I've got to get that part into a place where I can actually hear the Lord. Not numbing it, to the Lord, but actually bringing it under captivity to the Lord. Now, I'm not giving you permission because I don't know what your issues are, but I'm telling you this. I, I prayed and prayed about it, and I believe that God allowed that medication to bring my mind to a place where it could worship the Lord with all that it had. Because the place I was in, I couldn't do that. I was trying to run away from Him. So the Lord accomplished a spiritual purpose. He used medication to help accomplish even the spiritual purpose in my life. If you're here this morning and you want to talk more about that, I'd love to have that conversation with you. I'm not a know-it-all. I'm not a doctor. I just want to tell you how good God is and how good He was in my life. That's all. So I'm going to bypass all of that and say, in my case, I was really struggling with it. Like some of you may be. Obviously, some of us are because 
multiple ones of us had the same question. What we've got to do is to make sure that we know our motivation. And again, Paul said, you can't possibly know my motivation for doing anything. I don't even know why I do the things that I do, right? And so it's very important for us to be able to to try to shy away from being judgmental and putting everybody in the same bucket. All right, enough of all that. I'm going to move further. In, uh, in, and so there's lots of reasons to have uh, emotional trauma, uh, whether it's chemical or whether it's environmental. Uh, sometimes medicine might be for a moment to work through some things. Sometimes medicine might be uh, different. But it's very important for you to be able to make the decision and to know at the end of every day that you're making that decision based on faith, not making that decision based on how can I get rid of the symptoms of everyday life. That's not what God calls us to do. In cases where a person will not seek repentance or will not seek godly counsel, but self-medicates in private, we should, we should expect the Lord to allow that person's negative emotional state to continue even developing to a point of a chronic condition. But when we employ medicine to do the work that God tells us is okay, uh, then, then that's a whole, whole different uh, conversation. But we cannot expect the spiritual benefits from shortcuts. In fact, oftentimes taking shortcuts makes things worse. So if a Christian will not acknowledge the Lord's sovereignty and rest in His Word, teach himself truths, and trust truly trust in the Lord, uh, then a person may have to live in anxiety uh, or depression and we may struggle with some emotional, mental issues that are chemical or genetic. In my case, what, and I, again, this is just my case, and there's probably billions. So, but in my case, I was able to give myself from a place of conviction the ability to bring myself to a place where I could actually perceive truth again. And I started telling myself this, Scripture, memory, incredible. Because you may not need medicine, you may need to learn Scripture. <laughs> So whenever you're in a really dark place, you can say, boy, I know the Lord completes what He starts. Right? I know that God loves me. How do I know that for sure? I don't feel loved. I need to get myself into a place where I can feel loved. And so we medicate a thousand different ways. I don't need to feel loved. I need to know that I'm loved. And God said, look at the cross if you want to see if I love you or not. But boy, when you're in darkness, it is hard to remember that. All you can see is your darkness. But if you can get to a place where you can see the cross, then you can remind yourself. And you know what? In my case, I don't take medication. But I still get to dark places. But when I get to dark places, I've got dozens of Scripture I can climb out with. That may not work for you. It certainly wouldn't help you. It wouldn't hurt you. But it may not be your only help. But for me... I've learned some different coping strategies so that I can tell myself truths that God has already told me. So I just want to be an encouragement to you this morning is all. So what about marijuana? And I'm also trying to not have time to get to marijuana. But, uh, <laughs> so so why, why has marijuana been illegal for so long? I mean, it's been around a while, right? Why is all of a sudden uh, marijuana is legal? And, and now all of a sudden, now that it's legal, can Christians use it? 
So when marijuana was illegal, this really wasn't something we thought about much because according to Romans chapter 13, we have to be uh, guided by the government authorities. And so the government says it's illegal, and so we didn't have to think about it too much. But recently, our, our state in, uh, specifically has voted to allow medical marijuana uh, dispensaries throughout the state. And uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, seems to recognize an exception to the case where the government is the law, even for Christians, that when the government allows for something that is contrary to the commandments of Christ, we obey Christ uh, instead. And so in that case, the Christian is to obey Christ and submit to whatever sanctions the government deems fit uh, and as a general rule. So uh, just because, this is very important, and this might be a blanket statement, but just because the government says something is legal does not mean it has God's endorsement on it. And I think it's really important, not just for a marijuana issue, but also for adultery, for instance. Adultery is not a crime. Adultery is very much legal. But that doesn't mean it's got God's permission on it. Man does not make God's law. God does that. And so sometimes man allows things in because we don't live in a Christian nation. We don't live in a Christian world. And man lets things in because we live in a community. But just because the community says so does not mean that every member of that community has to participate. There's lines drawn in the sand on that issue. So, now that it's legal, has God all of a sudden changed His mind about it? If I can remember right, I think the specific question was, how do doctors get to determine which medicines God uses for His will and which ones He won't? I think that's a great way of putting that. So, whether something is moral or not does not depend upon law. Whether something is moral or not depends upon it pleasing God and does it accord with His character and His declared will for our lives? So we should affirm the goodness of God's creation. When God created everything He created, He created and He said it was good. Of course He did. And so its goodness is not destroyed by the fall. It's just marked by futility and corruption now as well. So the scope of God's plan of redemption is at least as wide as the scope of the fall. What does this mean to marijuana? Well, if creation is good, then created things are good. Marijuana, then, is good. And that's not a good time to hashtag your pastor, okay? <laughs> Everything that God made is good for its intended purposes. Now, there's a major difference between saying that there are good purposes for marijuana and saying that all purposes of marijuana must be good. Big difference. Significant difference. In fact, we don't use that argument with very many things. Paul actually said this uh, in uh, writing to... Uh, uh, to the early church because they struggled with very similar things. Now all of a sudden that I'm a Christian, all the things that I used to do are right or wrong. Uh, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are beneficial or necessary. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be mastered by any of them. 
I think it's a very important passage of Scripture that Paul says. All things are lawful, but just because something is legal doesn't necessarily mean that it's beneficial. Beneficial for what? Well, in Paul's life, I think he would say beneficial for the propagation of the gospel. That's why we exist, is it not? So just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something because it actually might keep me from doing the main thing. So all things are lawful, but it may not help me accomplish the purpose that God has called me to. So when you're making a decision on, can I get away with doing something? That's, a, that's an immature question. You can ask it. Can I do this? Can I smoke marijuana? Can I whatever you want to uh, uh, put in there? Maybe. But that doesn't make it beneficial. It's actually going to keep you from accomplishing the purpose of God in your life. And I think that it would be really hard sell to say, you know what, I really don't care about God's will for my life, but I love Him with all of my spirit, all of my mind, and all of my body. Those things, do you see how those things don't go hand in hand? They're contradic contradictions to each other. And when you begin to live in contradiction, then every form of your life might start finding contradictions in it. And one of the things that Christians ought to be trying to live in is living in a non-contradictory existence. Consistency. So Christians are necessarily tied up in, can I do this or can't I do this, re reducing their faith to uh, lists. But the question that mature Christians or Christians that are maturing should ask is, is there glory for God in it? Does this help me accomplish the purpose? Does this benefit God's purpose in my life? So, it really does come down to the heart. Now, I want to, I'm not going to try to educate you about this issue because I, that's, that's just not what I do. Uh, I've spent a lot of time uh, around this particular issue, researching this particular issue. So this is not exhaustive. It just is to get through the message, okay? But there are hundreds of chemical compounds found in marijuana. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. All right? I'm going to talk about two of them. There's THC, which is the hallucinogenic properties of marijuana. And there's also CBD, which is the medicinal purposes of marijuana. Now, in our state, there are no regulations concerning those things, right? So the dispensary that Russellville is about to get is going to produce marijuana. You can get it weed, you can get it dried, you can get it however you want to get it, in a peel, you can get it in oil, you can get it in any form, just about that you want to be able to get it. Now, that's the way the government is regulating it in Arkansas. But I would say that these two things should not be dealt with. That's like dealing with methamphetamines and Sudafed in the same conversation. Well, everything that we do can be perverted and misused according to its purpose, Right? So to put everything in one umbrella, I think, is really unfair. So I want to talk about that unfairness for just a moment. Mental issues eventually affect the spirit. I've learned that. Physical issues eventually affect the spiritual. I've, I've learned that as well. There is only one medicine for the spirit, and that is Jesus Christ. It's the only medicine for the Spirit. In fact, 
Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are, we are healed. And I believe that he's speaking primarily about spiritual healing there. And now there's some who would say, well, Jesus might be the healing but, uh, you know, to our spirit, but what about you know, these, other, these other things? Well, nobody is propagating that the THC, the hallucinogenic properties of marijuana, is used for any sort of medicinal use. Now you can say, well, it just relaxes me. And I'm going I'm I'm to hurry because I'm about out of time. Uh, but anybody who is, there's not one, not one benefit to THC in marijuana, no benefit that the Holy Spirit did not say He would take care of. Not one. Now, when it comes to CBD, there are some, there's some really good evidence that it may help medicinally some issues in some people. And it's a slippery slope because doing what I have done what I do for so long, I know that marijuana is a gateway drug. I know it opens up our restrictions. And it may not for everyone, but we are to be about one another, right? So if I could help protect you, I want to protect you. It's not just about what do I want, it's about what do we need. And if it's a gateway drug for some, then it becomes dangerous for others. So what we have done is we've put so much restriction on it, We've said to these people who might benefit from the CBD, sorry, you can't have it either because some of these people won't regulate themselves. And I think that's equally unfair. I just wish we could regulate it differently. I think that's a significant issue, and I won't get into all my opinions about that, but marijuana, I hear people say, well, Genesis chapter 1, verse 29 says, And God said, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And God made marijuana, and you're keeping us from marijuana, and so we should be able to enjoy it. Uh, well, listen, so what, what Genesis 1, 29 says is that you shall have it for food. Now, I'm telling you, I have been around marijuana, lots of people who deal with marijuana, deal marijuana, and deal with marijuana. And I will tell you, I will tell you, nobody puts marijuana in brownies because it tastes better. <laughs> right? First service was like, they put marijuana in brownies? <laughs> <laughs> and they were at Woodstock. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah. Well, first I would say, he says you can eat them he never said smoke it. I'm not trying to be trite, but I am trying to say that if you're dealing with smoking, and, I, and I'm going to, you've got to put all of it in there together, when you're smoking marijuana, you're actually inhaling all the toxins. At least with cigarettes, you can smoke filtered ones. You can't even do that with uh, marijuana cigarettes. So you're just taking in, we're also not only to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, but we're to love Him with all of our body too. Well, there's not very many more destructive things. In fact, marijuana is hundred times more dangerous inhaling it than cigarettes are. I'm not giving an endorsement on cigarettes, by the way. I'm saying that to say, you mind your own business, this is good for me, God made it. Uh, no, listen, He might have made it, but He didn't make it for that intended purpose. That's why He gave us the Holy Spirit. Now, you can pervert anything. We have to be very, very careful. We have to guard our own heart, and we have to be able to judge our own heart. Right? So, 
Smoking is the primary way to benefit from the THC most effectively. I also say that those who are proponents against or opponents to marijuana do so out of a good heart because it's protecting those who won't protect themselves. And secondly, it is also, if it is a gateway drug, why would we open people up to that? And thirdly, and I promise this is true, speaking prophetically, maybe just a little bit, I'm a little nervous now, (laughs) but when you start allowing medical marijuana, it'll be minutes before that next voice says recreational too. It's just right around the corner, I'm telling you. It's, it's been that way everywhere else it's ever been because it's never enough. It was never about medical marijuana for the medical marijuana people. It was always about something else. But remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not our enemies. So once we allow for medical use, you can expect the clamor for recreational use as well. And the day the mayor voted, I already heard it. Now we're on to recreational use. I heard it that day. By the way, God also created the tree of knowledge of good and evil and said, leave that one alone. (laughs) So just because God made it does not endorse His usage of it, right? It's natural, it's organic, so it's okay, man. Well, listen, if you really think that marijuana is okay because of Genesis 129, then I guess you can go smoke some uh, poison ivy too. I mean, (laughs) right? No, listen. I know, it's unfair for me to have the the stage right now and not give you chances to rebut. So I won't do that anymore. Or poison berries, or cyanide, or, or maybe chewing on thorns. I don't know, but... There may be some scriptural basis for using marijuana for medicine. There is zero scriptural basis for using marijuana for psychotropic reasons. If psychotropics are necessary then we should stick to the ones that can currently be regulated, held accountable, and do not require inhaling toxins. It creates a whole other list of issues. So, what we're saying is comes down to the motivation and to the heart. And we have to be very careful about blanket statements. Well, you can't know a person's heart. Uh, this, though, is not a hard and fast, Scripture is clear issue. But it is a slippery slope. And we have to be very careful at saying God has spoken here. And so we're going to protect ourselves by coming out here and putting a big circle around it. We have to be very careful about hedge laws. Where Scripture speaks, we speak. Where it's silent, we try to be silent and infer principles. So let's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's easy for us to say using marijuana for psychotropic, mind-altering Uh, thinking processes. I think that's pretty clear what the Bible says about that. Not about marijuana specifically, but anything that also does that. Uh, I think Scripture might also be pretty clear on using this medically, uh, at least the CBD oil, uh, medically. Uh, So let's just, you know, a couple weeks ago we ran through some tests and uh, let's just run through that real quick. The proclamation test says, has God clearly proclaimed it to be wrong in His Word? No, not clearly. No, not clearly. Principle test. Is it forbidden in God's Word in principle? I believe so. And no, it doesn't seem to be forbidden in God's Word by principle. The partnership test. Would Jesus do it with me? Uh, 
There's some who would say yes, uh, but probably uh, would give an endorsement there. Uh, the presence test, would I be ashamed to be found doing this when Jesus returns? There's actually people who smoke marijuana who think they did see Jesus when He returned. Uh, so, I don't know, but uh, the presence test would also say, would I be ashamed to be found doing it upon Christ's return? Again, it comes down to the heart. The purity test is, is there any glory for God in it, or am I doing it for my own self? Boy, that's pretty easy. And then finally is the peace test. After praying about it, is there any doubt in my mind that God approves it? So these are some of the ways that do... And by the way, you can go to connectionpoint.info and go to follow along there. And you'll have that, those lists of questions. Kind of walk that through and process those. Um, but here's, here's the reason that I bring all of that up. Number one, you ask what does the Bible say about it. I'm trying with a little bit of levity to tell you what the Bible is, says about it. Uh, and, and what our response probably ought to be. But we also live in a culture that everything is not cut and dry. We also have people who aren't asking the same questions that people of faith are asking. So to give answers to faith without them being in the place to hear it is, is not really very fair. And so I think we have to be incredibly generous, give people room to grow. I think we have to be very cautious of making blanket statements because you never know what somebody's going through in their own mind. Uh, and, you, and, you, and, it's, and we have to be very careful about that. Because at the end of the day, what we want is our lives and our peace in Jesus Christ to be able to not only rule our own hearts, but to be used as a testimony to those around us. And so if you're about finger pointing and name calling and the lines drawn in the sand, you're probably not going to be very effective being used for the very purpose that God called you to be used. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you, and I just pray as we process to be the kind of people living in this culture uh, that you would use us as a, as a testimony of what your, what your peace and what your grace can accomplish in our life. So I thank you, Lord, for your guidance in our life. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the church. And, uh, and I thank you for ability to reason. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that you take all of these things and help us to be informed and, and to be able to be used for your purpose. Lord, it's a complicated issue. And I think it's only going to get worse. So, Lord, help us to, to be caught up. Help us not to be so quick to answer. But uh, at the end of the day, Lord, help us to live uh, for your glory and not our own pleasure. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you stand with me, please? We're going to, we're going to sing, and I, I just want to encourage you, if, if, you're, if you're here this morning and you do, and you do struggle with some of this, on either, on either side, uh, you know, don't walk away fired up. You know, uh, if you are... If you're hurting this morning, I want you to know that that spiritual side, only start with the spiritual side. Let Jesus be the balm of Gilead that heals our transgressions, that brings us to a place where we can process the rest of it. Jesus is the only thing that will do that. If you bypass Him first, there's not help anywhere else. 
I know that most of you have families or friends that deal with this regularly and, and probably have opposing beliefs and ideas. And Listen, you're never going to win people to Jesus by winning an argument. So let me just encourage you to be careful, be cautious, be prayerful, but always be used for His glory and not your own. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.